Chapter Twenty, Part One of Ramona. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ramona by Helen Hunt Jackson. Chapter Twenty, Part One. One year and a half of another year had passed. Sheep shearing and vintages had been in San Pasquale, and Alessandro's new house, having been beaten on by the heavy spring rains, looked no longer new it stood on the south side of the valley too far ramona felt from the blessed well but there had not been land enough for wheat fields any nearer and she could see the chapel and the posts and on a clear day the bell itself the house was small small to hold so much joy she said when alessandro first led her to it and said deprectantly it is small marcella too small and he recollected bitterly as he spoke the size of ramona's own room at the signora's house too small he repeated very small to hold so much joy my alessandro she laughed but quite large enough to hold two persons it looked like a place to the sempasquale people after ramona had arranged the little processions in it and she herself felt rich as she looked around her two small rooms the old san louis ray chairs and the rawhide bedstead were there and most precious of all the statuette of the madonna for this alessandro had built a niche in the wall between the head of the bed and one window the niche was deep enough to hold small pots in front of the statuette and ramona kept constantly growing there wild cucumber plants which pressed and repressed the niche till it looked like a bower below it hung her gold rosary and the ivory christ and many a woman in the village when she came to see ramona asked permission to go into the bedroom and say her prayers there so it finally came to be a sort of shrine for the whole village a broad veranda as broad as the signoras ran across the front of the little house this was the only thing for which ramona had asked she could not quite fancy life without the veranda and linnets in the thatch but the linnets had not yet come in vain ramona strewed food for them and laid out little trains of crumbs to lure them inside the posts they would not build nests inside it was not the way in san pasquale they lived in the canons but this part of the valley was too bare for trees for them in a year or two more when we have orchards they will come alessandro said with the money from that first cheap shearing and from the sale of part of his cattle alessandro had bought all he needed in the way of farming implements a good wagon and harnesses and a plow baber and benito at first restive and indignant soon made up their minds to work ramona had talked to baber about it as she would have talked to a brother in fact except for ramona's help it would have been a question whether even alessandro could have made baber work in harness good baber ramona said as she slipped piece after piece of the harness over his neck good baber you must help us we have so much work to do and you are so strong good baber do you love me and with one hand in his mane and her cheek every few steps laid close to his she laid baber up and down the first furrows he ploughed my signorita thought alessandro to himself half in pain half in pride as running behind with the unevenly jerked blow he watched her loving face and blowing hair my signorita but ramona would not run with her hand in baber's mane this winter there was new work for her indoors in a rustic cradle which alessandro had made under her directions of woven twigs like the great outer aircon granaries even closer woven and of an oval shape and lifted from the floor before uprights of mezantia stems in this cradle on soft white wool fleeces covered with white homespun blankets lay ramona's baby six months old lusty strong and beautiful as only children born of great love and under healthful conditions can be this child was a girl to alessandro's delight to ramona's regret so far as a loving mother can feel regret connected with her firstborn 
Ramona had wished for an Alessandro, but the disappointed wish faded out of her thoughts hour by hour, as she gazed into her baby girl's blue eyes, eyes so blue that their color was the first thing noticed by each person who looked at her. "'Eyes of the sky!' exclaimed Isidro, when he first saw her. "'Like her mother's,' said Alessandro, on which Isidro turned an astonished look upon Ramona, and saw for the first time that her eyes too were blue. "'Wonderful!' he said. "'It is so. I never saw it.' And he wondered in his heart what father it had been, who had given eyes like those to one born of an Indian mother. "'Eyes of the sky' became at once the baby's name in the village, and Alessandro and Ramona, before they knew it, had fallen into the way of so calling her. But when it came to the christening, they demurred. The news was brought to the village one Saturday that Father Gaspera would hold the services in the valley the next day, and that he wished all the newborn babes to be brought for christening. Late into the night, Alessandro and Ramona sat by the sleeping baby and discussed what should be her name. Ramona wondered that Alessandro did not wish to name her Marcella. No, never but one Marcella, he said, in a tone which gave Ramona a sense of vague fear. It was so solemn. They discussed Ramona, Isabella, Alessandro suggested Carmina. This had been his mother's name. At the mention of it, Ramona shuddered, recollecting the scene in the Temecula graveyard. Oh, no, no, not that, she cried. It is ill-fated, and Alessandro blamed himself for having forgotten her only association with the name. At last Alessandro said, The people have named her, I think, Marcella. Whatever name we give her in the chapel, she will never be called anything but Eyes of the Sky in the village. Let that be her true name, then, said Ramona, and so it was settled. And when Father Gaspera took the little one in his arms and made the sign of the cross on her brow, he pronounced with some difficulty the syllables of the Indian name, which meant blue eyes or eyes of the sky. Heretofore, when Father Gaspera had come to San Pasquale to say mass, he had slept at Lomax, the store and post office six miles away in the Bernardo Valley. But Isidro, with great pride, had this time ridden to meet him, to say that his cousin Alessandro would come to live in the valley, and had a good new abode house, begged that the father would do him the honor to stay with him. And indeed, father, added Isidro, you will be far better lodged and fed than in the house of Lomax. My cousin's wife knows well how all should be done. Alessandro, Alessandro, said the father musingly, has he been long married? No, father, answered Isidro, but little more than two years. They were married by you, on their way from Temecula here. Ay, ay, I remember, said father Gaspera. I will come. And it was with no small interest that he looked forward to meeting again the couple that had so strongly impressed him. Ramona was full of eager interest in her preparations for entertaining the priest. This was like the golden time, and as she busied herself with her cooking and other arrangement, the thought of father Salvidera was much in her mind. She could, perhaps, hear news of him from Father Gaspera. It was she who had suggested the idea to Alessandro, and when he said, But where will you sleep yourself with the child, Marcella? If we give our room to the father, I can lie on the floor outside, but you? I will go to Isidro's and sleep with Joanna, she replied. For two nights it is no matter, and it is such shame to have the father sleep in the house of an American, when we have a good bed like this. Seldom in his life had Alessandro experienced such a sense of gratification as he did when he led Father Gaspero into his and Ramona's bedroom. The clean, whitewashed walls, the bed neatly made, with broad lace on sheets and pillows, hung with curtains and a canopy of bright red calico and old carved chairs, the Madonna shrine in its bower of green leaves, the shelves on the walls, the white curtained window all made up a picture such as Father Gaspero had never before seen in his pilgrimages among the Indian villages. He could not restrain an ejaculation of surprise. Then, his eye falling on the golden rosary, he exclaimed, "Where got you that?" 
it is my wife's replied alessandro proudly it was given her by father salvidera ah said the father he died the other day dead father salvidera dead cried alessandro that will be a horrible blow oh father i implore you not to speak of it in her presence she must not know it till after the christening it will make her heart heavy so that she will have no joy father gaspera was still scrutinizing the rosary and the crucifix to be sure to be sure he said absently i will say nothing of it but this is a work of art this crucifix do you know what you have here and this is this not an altar cloth he added lifted up the beautiful broad altar cloth which ramona in honor of his coming had pinned on the wall below the madonna's shrine yes father it was made for that my wife made it it was to be a present to father salvidera but she has not seen him to give it to him it will take the light out of the sun for her when she first hears that he is dead father gaspera was about to ask another question when ramona appeared in the doorway flushed with running she had carried the baby over to joanna's and left her there that she might be free to serve the father's supper i pray you tell her not said alessandra under his breath but it was too late seeing the father with her rosary in his hand ramona exclaimed that father is my most sacred possession it once belonged to father Perry of san luis rey and he gave it to father salvidera who gave it to me know you father salvidera i was hoping to hear news of him through you yes i knew him not very well it is a long time since i saw him stammered father gaspera his hesitancy alone would not have told ramona the truth she would have set that down to the secular priest's indifference or hostility to the franciscan order but looking at alessandro she saw terror and sadness in his face no shadow there ever escaped her eye what is it alessandro she exclaimed is it something about father salvidera is he ill alessandro shook his head he did not know what to say looking from one to the other seeing the confused pain in both of their faces ramona laying both her hands on her breast in an expressive gesture she had learned from the indian women cried out in a piteous tone you will not tell me you do not speak then he is dead and she sank on her knees yes my daughter he is dead said father gaspera more tenderly than that brusque and warlike priest often spoke he died a month ago at santa barbara i am grieved to have brought you tidings to give you such sorrow but you must not mourn him he was very feeble and he longed to die i heard he could no longer work and he did not wish to live ramona had buried her face in her hands the father's words were only a confused sound in her ears she had heard nothing after the words a month ago she remained silent and motionless for some moments then rising without speaking a word or looking at either of the men she crossed the room and knelt down before the madonna by a common impulse both alessandra and father gaspera silently left the room as they stood together outside the door the father said i would go back to lomax if it were not so late i like not to be here when your wife is in such grief that would but be another grief father said alessandro she has been full of happiness in making ready for you she is very strong of soul it is she who makes me strong often and not i who give strength to her my face but the man is right thought father gaspera a half hour later when with a calm face ramona summoned them to supper he did not know as alessandro did how that face had changed in the half hour it wore a look alessandro had never seen upon it almost he dreaded to speak to her when he walked by her side later the evening as she went across the valley to fernando's house he ventured to mention father salvidera's name ramona laid her hands on his lips i cannot talk about him yet dear she said i never believed that he would die without giving us his blessing do not speak of him till to-morrow is over 
Ramona's saddened face smote all the women's hearts as they met her the next morning. One by one they gazed, astonished, then turned away and spoke softly among themselves. They all loved her and half referred her to, for her great kindness and readiness to teach and to help them. She had been like a sort of missionary in the valley ever since she came, and no one had ever seen her face without a smile. Now she smiled not, yet there was the beautiful baby in its white dress, ready to be christened, and the sun shone, and the bell had been ringing for half an hour, and from every corner of the valley the people were gathering, and Father Gaspera in his golden green cassock was praying before the altar. It was a joyous day in San Pasquale. Why did Alessandro and Ramona kneel apart in a corner, with such heart-stricken countenances, not even looking glad, when their baby laughed and reached up with her hands? Gradually it was whispered about what had happened. Someone had got it from Antonio of Temecula, Alessandro's friend. Then all of the women's faces grew sad too. They all had heard of Father Salvidera, and many of them had prayed to the ivory Christ in Ramona's room, and knew that he had given it to her. As Ramona passed out of the chapel, some of them came up to her, and taking her hand in theirs, laid it on their hearts, speaking no word. The gesture was more than any speech could have been. When Father Gaspera was taking leave, Ramona said with quivering lips, Father, if there is anything you know of Father Salvidera's last hours, I would be grateful to you for telling me. I heard very little, replied the father, except that he had been feeble for some weeks, yet he would persist in spending most of the night kneeling on the stone floor in the church praying. Yes, interrupted Ramona, that he always did. And the last morning, continued the father, the brothers found him there, still kneeling on the stone floor, but quite powerless to move, and they lifted him and carried him to his room, and there they found, to their horror, that he had had no bed and had lain on the stones, and then they took him to the superior's own room and laid him in the bed, and he did not speak any more, and at noon he died. Thank you very much, father, said Ramona, without lifting her eyes from the ground, and in the same low, tremulous tone, I am glad that I know that he is dead. Strange what the hold those Franciscans have on those Indians, mused Father Gaspera as he rode down the valley. There's none of them would look like that if I were dead, I warrant me. There, he exclaimed. I meant to have asked Alessandro who this wife of his is. I don't believe she's a Temecula Indian. Next time I come, I will find out. She's had some schooling somewhere. That's plain. She's quite superior to the general run of them. Next time I come, I will find out about her. Next time, in what calendar I kept the records of those next times which never come. Long before Father Gaspera visited San Pasquale again, Alessandro and Ramona were far away, and strangers were living in their home. It seemed to Ramona in years after, as she looked back over this life, that the news of Father Salvidera's death was the first note of the knell of their happiness. It was but a few days afterward, when Alessandro came in one noon with an expression on his face that terrified her. Sitting himself in a chair, he buried his face in his hands, and would neither look up nor speak, not until Ramona was near crying from his silence, did he utter a word. Then, looking at her with a ghastly face, he said in a hollow voice, It has begun, and buried his face again. Finally, Ramona's tears wrung from him the following story. Isidro, it seemed, had the previous year rented a cannon at the head of the valley to one Dr. Morong. It was simple as pea pasture that the doctor wanted it, he said. He had put his hives there and built a sort of hut for the men whom he sent up to look after the honey. Isidro did not need the land and thought it a good chance to make a little money. He had taken every precaution to make the transaction a safe one, had gone to San Diego and got Father Gaspera to act as interpreter for him in the interview with Morong. It had been a written agreement and the rent agreed upon had been punctually paid. 
now the time of the lease having expired isidro had been to san diego to ask the doctor if he wished to renew it for another year and the doctor had said that the land was his and he was coming out there to build a house and to live isidro had gone to father gaspera for help and father gaspera had had an angry interview with dr morong but it had done no good the doctor said the land did not belong to isidro at all but to the united states government and that he had paid the money for it to the agents in los angeles and there would soon come papers from washington to show that it was his father gaspera had gone with isidro to a lawyer in san diego and had shown to this lawyer isidro's papers the old one from the mexican governor of california establishing the pueblo of san pascale and saying how many leagues of land the indians were to have but the lawyer had only laughed at father gaspera for believing that such a paper as that was good for anything he said that was all very well when the country belonged to mexico but it was no good now that the americans owned it now and everything was done by the american law now not by the mexican law any more then we do not own any land in san pascale at all isidro said is that what it means and the lawyer said he did not know how it would be with cultivated land and the village where houses were he could not tell about that but he thought it all belonged to the man in washington father gaspera was in such rage isidro said that he tore open his gown at his breast and smote himself and said he wished he were a soldier and no priest and that he might fight this accursed united states government and the lawyer laughed at him and told him to look after souls that was his business and let the indian beggars alone yes that was what the man said the indian beggars and so they would all be beggars presently alessandro told this by gasps as it were at long intervals his voice was choked his whole frame shook he was nearly beside himself with rage and despair you see it is as i said marcella there is no safe place we can do nothing we might better be dead it is a long way off that canyon dr morong had said ramona piteously it wouldn't do any harm his living there if no more came marcella talks like a dove and not like a woman said alessandro fiercely will there be one to come and not two it is the beginning tomorrow may come ten more with papers to show that the land is theirs we can do nothing any more than the wild beasts they are better than we end of chapter twenty part one recording by ellie july two thousand and nine